0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the New Books Network. I'm your host, Stephen Siegel. And today we're on the podcast channel New Books in Eastern European Studies with our guest, Lenny A. Orenya Valerio. Welcome, Lenny, to our podcast today.
0: Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for inviting me to be part of the podcast series.
1: So I'm really excited to talk uh, with Dr. Urenia Valerio today about her award-winning book. It's called Colonial Fantasies, Imperial Realities, Race Science, and the Making of Polishness on the Fringes of the German Empire, 1840 to 1920, published by Ohio University Press in 2019. A little bit about Dr. Urenia Valerio. She studied, her, had her BA in history at the University of Puerto Rico, and she received her PhD in Central East European history from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Her dissertation, The Stakes of Empire, Colonial Fantasies, Civilizing Agendas, and Biopolitics in the Prussian Polish Provinces, 1840 to 1914, on which the book is based, was awarded the dissertation, Distinguished Dissertation Award in Polish Studies by PIASA, the Polish Institute of Arts and Sciences of America, in 2010. Lenny's primary research and teaching interests include imperial colonial studies, European migration to Latin America, and I think what's really interesting Polish diaspora studies in Brazil, the history of medicine and public health, as well as historical methods and theories. Um, This book, as I mentioned, won um, several um, awards, won the Kulczycki Prize in Polish Studies in 2020 and earned honorable mention for the Barbara Health Prize 2020 for AWSS, the Best Book by a Woman in Slavic, East European, Eurasian Studies. Uh, I'm really interested to talk about this book and I have so many questions. So um, I would like to ask you, Lenny, just first of all, how you came to be interested personally and and professionally and intellectually in the topic of of Polish-German relations and colonial and um, imperial histories.
0: So as an immigrant who moved to Puerto Rico from the Dominican Republic at the age of nine, and then again in my early adulthood to the U.S. to do my PhD studies, I was always fascinated with the question of colonialism, migration, and race relations. Um, how I moved from being a quote-unquote white, white Dominican to passing as Puerto Rican due to my light skin color, and then to a person of color in the U.S., made, made me become deeply interested in the fluidity of identities, particular, particularly racial identities. So also studying at the University of Puerto Rico made me keenly aware of issues related to Puerto Rico's colonial relations with the U.S. And the struggle many faced as um, second-class citizens, as poignantly pointed out in 2017 during the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, where so many people died in large part due to the slow response from US authorities and the colonial relationship that still persists in the mainland with the mainland so this personal experiences as well as my exposure to the works of the South Asian School of Subaltern Studies um, literary literary criticism and cultural studies and when i started framing my project Um, In the early 2000s, the then emerging field of German postcolonial studies, it is not so hard to imagine why I propose in the book to do a postcolonial reading of 19th century Germany's eastern borderlands and of Polish and German cultural relations that helped me to put race and overseas colonies at the forefront of the analysis so throughout the study of medical records, public health debates, and the mobility of diseases and peoples through the borders, through the borderlands, I I study in my book how Poles were viewed as colonized others in Prussia and the German Empire, but I also study how invested Poles were. Um, Polish nationalists were in colonial projects and I studied this in Africa and Latin America showing how prevalent colonialism was as a system of power in the 19th century and how colonial discourse and relations reverberated back to Europe.
1: Yeah that's a that's a great place to start um, with our conversation because I, I think in many ways it's so important to think of Polish history and reconceptualize Polish history in terms of um, subjecthood and, and objecthood and, and the colonial question. I'm particularly interested, and in, I would really like to ask you about your, your travels to both Germany and Poland and how you gathered in your sources in, in Warsaw and Poznań, or let's say um, in Prussian Poland for the 19th century. So what led you there and in which archives did you end up working?
0: Okay, so um, so mainly my analytical framework, which I tried to do comparative and, and transnational history of Polish-German relations during the 19th century. So this analytical framework where, framework led me to work with primary sources in Polish, German, Portuguese, and sometimes even French, in in my attempt to understand these relationships um, from a global transnational and transregional perspective. Um, So for those of the the audience that are not familiar with Polish history, this is the time when Poland did not exist as a nation state, but was partitioned among the German, Russian, and Austro-Hungarian empires. So I... I am particularly interested in Prussian Poland, the territories acquired by the Kingdom of Prussia during the partitions of the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth towards the end of the, 19th, uh, the 18th century. So, in my definition of Poland, I also include Upper Silesia, which Prussia acquired from Austria much earlier on. Um, in as, um, a series of um, Polish measures, um, that limited Polish language and culture in the different partitions, particularly in the Prussian-Polish lands, along with political and economic transformation adopted at the time, pushed many Poles, particular peasants and dissidents, to migrate and form colonial settlements and ethnic enclaves, uh, mainly in North America, of course, but also in South America. So, um, given the um, different trajectories of the, the populations that I was study, I um, follow these um, um, sources. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna stop and and begin that. Is that okay?
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah, no problem. I'll I'll just mark it. Go ahead. However however you'd like to start it again.
0: Okay, so given the um, context of of these movements of populations, so I um, decided to follow them through different archives, spending almost two years doing research in several archives in Germany and Poland, supplemented by one research visit to the Polish Library in Paris and two research visits to Brazil particularly to state archives in the city of Curitiba and Rio de Janeiro. In Germany, I mainly worked in Berlin in the Prussian secret state archives and the German federal archives. I also worked briefly briefly in the military um, archives, which is a branch of the German federal archives in Freiburg. So in Poland, I visited several local state archives in cities that used to be part of the German empire, such as Poznań, Opole, Torun, and Wrocław. But I found significant materials reg- regarding Polish travels to Africa at the National Ossolinski Institute in Wrocław, And in fact, it was there when I had my Eureka moment and where I was able to clearly state the connections with colonial projects in Africa. And it was also in Wrocław um, that I met Antoni Kuczynski, an ethnologist and historian at the University of Wrocław, who had studied Polish ethnographic works in different parts of the world, especially in Africa and Asia. And um, he was so generous with me, not only by taking the time to meet with me, but also giving me copies of his book. And so his help and that of other Polish scholars and archivists really made a difference in the project. And it is not really until um, I was done with archival research in Europe that my source that led me to Brazil. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I I want to get back to your eureka moment because I, I see several of those, I think, in your book. I want you, if you can, to introduce our listeners to your chapters. Um, the the whole body of the monograph. Um, So, of of course, you're covering both colonialism and imperialism, and I would say also the fantasies of empire and Orientalism. How how did you decide to arrange your chapters um, in the book? And, of course, this is a a 10-year project, as I understand it, from uh, when you were writing your dissertation. Okay,
0: so... The way I organize my, my chapters, I, I think it is best understood through the title of the book, which is, I realize it's a mouthful to say since it's, it's so long, but it was the only way that I could find to communicate the main elements of the project. So in, in the book, I really tried to study colonial fantasies, so the, the the part about colonial fantasies, imperial realities, refers to the tensions that I saw in my study between dreams of colonial dominance that some Germans had regarding Poles in the eastern borderlands and the Poles themselves had regarding others in colonies. And I studied the very real constraints that unique experiences imperial experiences in and outside Central Europe placed on, the, on these dreams and fan, or fantasies. So for example, the colonial projection that Germans made onto Polish-speaking subjects encountered the fact that most of these Poles were actually Prussian citizens and had political representation in government. So they quite, they couldn't quite be Um, uh, they didn't have the same um, um, political status as a colonized in Africa, for example. And the colonial fantasies that Poles experienced in overseas colonies encountered the fact that they did not have the political machinery to fully colonize the territories and that they were operating within other imperialist structures, whether it was in Africa or Brazil. So my intention in, in um, you know, uh, positing this colonial fantasy imperial reality is not to create, create a false dichotomy between colonial and imperial, since I see both processes as mutually related. What I wanted to do in my work was to stress the parallel in discourse that um, approach these two seemingly different territories, the eastern borderlands and overseas colonies. I wanted to study the consequences of the discourse in supporting imperial agendas and contextualize and prove the limits of the colonial comparison. So in order to do that in in the book, I I studied these colonial um, relations in the eastern borderlands through medicine. Um, And the second part of my title, the part about race, refers to the modernization process in the 19th century that placed whiteness as the top quality to measure progress and the ways in which the German Empire sought to define itself biologically and culturally against multiple others. So it also alludes to the development of medicine and science and the center stage that racial discourses um, took, um, took in everyday relations and political inter- in, in interactions. And the way that I see um, race in the title, it resonates with the colonial fantasies part, not only because of the obvious relationship with overseas colonial dynamics, but also because uh, while Poles were increasingly imagined as racialized others and members of a quote-unquote inferior race in Central in Central Europe, their whiteness quality opened the doors to colonial settlements in Brazil and placed them among other Europeans in Africa. So how your racial worthiness changing the, depending on context points to and extend the fantasy of racial Constructs and you know I tried to see this in 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 to study this um, by focusing in. Um, I have a chapter about Africa and a chapter about Brazil. And then,
1: uh, I wonder if we could um, learn from you, Lenny, about overseas colonialism and how that matters. I'm particularly fascinated in the chapters of your monograph by the careers of scientists and this medical discourse, um, among explorers and experts. So uh, could you talk a little bit about the, the medicine and disease and outbreaks and how these civilizing discourses, uh, come into and, and, um, into the medical profession in waves. How does your book do that?
0: Yes. Um, For me, studying overseas colonialism and the effect it had on modern European history and cultures is a passion and a political stance. It's a political stance because when I started thinking about my research questions, right, when I was applying for graduate school, colonialism was mainly studied as a footnote in European history, an episode with a beginning and an end, and as a result of political and economic conflicts, um, so knowledge tended to to flow um, from civilized countries to developing countries. And so really the colonial impact was usually measured by looking at the infrastructure colonial powers left behind and whether or not natives had been assimilated. So this Eurocentric view of colonialism bothered me because it left out the consequences that colonial encounters had on Europeans themselves and how colonial discourse and relations were reflected back into modernization projects, which I I looked um, in the eastern borderlands through medical reports and and discourses about um, um, Polish-speaking subjects in the region. Um, So I really wanted to push back against this this view of the colonial condition as a third world problem and colonialism as a practice that scholars tended to um, um, study outside of Europe. And I wanted to problematize the very heart of Europe itself. Um, so it, it was really through medicine that I was able to uncover this um, this um, colonial discourses. And then it was through Polish encounters with the colonial world during the partitions that allowed me to think about ho- how overseas colonialism helped um, shape Polish national identity and nationalist agenda. So um, it also gave me the opportunity to to examine the Polish lands comparatively across imperial divides and in dialogue with global developments. Um, So in in the book, I uh, I study um, these relationships um, in close, um, you know, Polish colonial imagination in Africa in close relationship with with Germany's imperial expansions in the 1880s. um you usually um, Germany was portrayed as a late comer in 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 colonialism sorry let me stop there so I studied these relationships and polish colon- colonial imagination in Africa in close relationship with Germany's Imperial expansion in the 1880s and usually portrayed as a late Comer in colonialism Germany managed to secure overseas colonies in 1884 with the scramble of Africa through the acquisition of German Cameroon, which includes present-day Cameroon, northern parts of Gabon and Congo, parts of Nigeria, Chad, and Central Africa Republic. German also had um, possessed the land of Togoland, which is present-day Togo and parts of Ghana, and they also had a colony called German Southwest Africa, which is mainly present-day Namibia, and German East Africa, which is present-day Burundi, Rwanda, and mainland part of Tanzania. The empire also had colonial possessions in the Pacific, and, and since 1898 um, had leased territories in in China in the region of Jiaozhou Bay. So, um, I'm, in the book, I follow Polish um, presence in in this mainly German colony. Um, I studied the first ex- Polish expedition to Africa led by Stefan Scholz Rogocinski, Leopold Janikowski, and um, 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 Clemens Tomczyk in 1882. And this is uh, an expedit- expedition that um, relied heavily on, um, private funds, because obviously during the 19th century, Poland didn't have uh, a nation state that could back up um, their colonial projects. And and the, the what is fascinating about this expedition that is um, stress the Polish character of the expedition, but also how. Um, in raising funds for it, these polls make a explicit connection between science and knowledge with the colonial realm. And how... Yeah, um, I,
1: that's, I think it's a really important point um, in your book. It, it, could you Could you talk about who sponsored those travels? Were they geographical expeditions? Was... Um, which governments were involved? Because we're we're talking about the stateless nation of Poles at the time. So, how did you uncover that?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, if we talk about um, Polish travels to Africa, these were um, the the expedition that I was explaining um, that involved Scholz who who is the main. Um, Proponent of this. Um, it heavily re- relied on funds that they raised in what they call Polish societies. So, different um, Polish publicists like Heron Sinkiewicz um, um, and others um, sponsored this. But in the end, it was mainly um, using his uh, Roguczynski. Roglic- Cholstroginski's private fund that he was able to to you know um, lease a ship and go to 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 Africa and then in the case of other um, poles many of them they really went through other empires and um, I, I studied the case of Jan Czechanowski who um, in the early twentieth century um join a German scientific expedition in um, East Central Africa and that was sponsored by, by the German state um, it was considered an expedition to survey the lands and learn more about the populations and and learn more especially about the borderlands between the um, you know and the Belgian um Empire and and the British Empire, so s- especially the areas surrounding the Congo Free State. And so, in in terms of um, this c- colonial um um this travel and colonial um, projects, but many. People and organizations were involved in the sense of the German Empire. These were um, supported by um, medical organizations and and um, other institutions, museums, uh, publicists, etc. And also in the case of poles who made to who traveled to this to to Africa and other parts of the world. They also raise funds through um, giving presentations and, and and sending cultural artifacts back to researchers in the, diff- in the different lands of the partition, Poland. So th- that is interesting because um, it shows the circulation of this colonial knowledge and bringing it back to, um, the, to Eastern Europe.
1: Yeah, and, and I, think it's, I think it's wonderful that you mentioned um especially because there's so much interesting work being done on Polish colonialism and neocolonialism and anthropology and ethnography, this world of, of epistemic anxieties. Um, which I think you capture so well. And I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, if I may, about your later chapters. So um, chapter four is called For Your Freedom and Ours about Polish travel accounts and colonial fantasies in Africa. Uh, and then chapter five, which I think is wonderful. And and, and I hope I hope you continue to write about it. The, the establishment of Pol- Polish colonies in Brazil. So I, I'm... I'm absolutely intrigued how you begin to connect these different areas in the global South um, and how you study um, this particular research. I'm not sure if I could call it diasporic research, but um, how how would you explain this story of Paraná in southern Brazil and, and the establishment of other new polands what, what can our listeners learn from this 19 uh, 19- really late 19th and early 20th century story.
0: So um, it's interesting that you asked that question because when I came back from the archives, the first chapter that I wrote um, um, was the chapter um, about Polish travel accounts and fantas and colonial fantasies in Africa. And I was Excited after coming back to have found a body of literature that gave me access to study involvement in overseas colonies, but also the anxieties portrayed in the in the travel literature, in the memoirs, in in the reports, etc. And and this um, description of um, the colonized in a in in in, in on on the one side, like this proximity that they they were pro- portraying, like as a good, um, that they understood very well um, the oppression in the colony because of the relationship that they had vis a vis empires in Europe, but at the same time, they're distancing themselves in the way that they're. Presenting themselves as, um, you know, as superior to the colonized. So I was fascinated by this like, do, sort of dualism in, in in the discourse, and also I was also interested by the the how the colonies in in you know at the height of imperialism gave Poles the the um, methods or rhetoric to intersect themselves within the civilized nations uh, European nations and and you know positing themselves vis-a-vis um, um, other Europeans but you know what I was missing from that account was the the actual colonial project <laughs> the actual settlement of poles which I found in in Brazil and because um, Brazil has um, the second largest diaspora of Poles in the world, in the state of Paraná. So I was interested in, in, the, in projects of modernization in Brazil that, uh, that sought to attract um, European colonies as a way to whiten the nation and modernize the nation. And it was something that the Brazilian empire um, implemented right away after becoming independent from Portugal in 1822. And the model of uh, that colonization, the the people that they looked to were Germans. (laughs) So the whole settlement plan (laughs) in Brazil was really... Uh, even though there were not in in the end, <laughs> there were not a huge mi- majority of of colonies, but it was structured around around them, which I found interesting. And it is through you know the migration of Germans that you also have Poles mi- migrating as early on as um, you know eighteen fifties, and they will be in mixed colony, you know along with other Germans. And apparently that wasn't a problem. But then in the 1860s, you you start seeing plans to develop Polish colonies. And um, it is in the state of Paraná, and, and that I study in my book, where this concept of a new Poland emerges. And... and it's um, it it's interesting because the first poles to migrate are poles from Upper Silesia, and they they were like the 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 colonies of the first um, colonies that ended up being called the um, new um, new Poland, and so but then in in the eighteen nineties. Um, and early 20th century this migration started um, there were German poles or Russian poles were joined by by poles from the other partitions from the um, um, polish kingdom and from from Galicia etc so it's it interesting to see and what I was interested in in when I was writing that chapter is to see uh, the, the reactions and responses of the Polish nationalists and they're the one, um, you know, um, promoting this this uh, new Poland and as a way, as a clear way uh, at the end of the 19th, early 20th century, mainly early 20th century, attract this colony towards the, the support um, Imperial imaginations of uh, Polish cultural expansion. It, it's fascinating to see it that early on. I and I
1: want to I want to ask you, Lenny, because it, to cover all of your chapters, um, I, I can't let you get away without talking about eugenics and the Catholic Church. Um, you know, I, I, I see this of moment in the 1890s as a turn as a turn toward mass politics. I mean, obviously, you know, Brian Porter and Jerzy Yedlitsky and others have written about this and, and the world of Catholic Poland. So do, do you see a strong role of the Catholic church and, and for that matter, eugenicist discourses of the 1900s and 19-teens in some of these communities and, and especially for Paraná in Brazil? Um, how I mean how did you go about studying this you know national body discourse of, of who belongs in Poland and and who and who supposedly doesn't
0: mm-hmm. so in the colonies itself in Brazil I didn't have the sources to to look at those relationships because I as I and was mainly focused on on um, you know, scientists, geographers, and and that side, but I, you know, the Catholic Church played an important role in 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 the Prussian Polish provinces, and it's there where I saw collaborations. Not saying that it's not happening in Brazil; it's just that it didn't. I didn't see them in my sources, and you know, you have to take into consideration that this is my introduction <laughs> to the topic that I, I hope to keep continue. And so I plan to pay m- more careful attentions to those topics, but it's really in the Prussian Polish territories um, that the Catholic church played an important role, articulating notions of community belonging and Polishness in the region. And um, particularly the, I saw it in post nine and Silesia, upper Silesia, and so in, it, it is all due because of, of all these colonial discourses and, and Germanizing agendas where, you know, Pol, Poles tended to be double attack for the Polish identity and for the Catholic identity. The Kulturkampf, exactly. So, so it's interesting to see it from the medical point of view, because... Uh, oftentimes, the Catholic practices were reasons for Polish backwardness, <laughs> and also um, you see the role that they are playing in 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 Brazil from the point of view of um, schooling system. So many, uh, and also maintaining the religion there, which I think gave the uh, Polish identity to the colonies um, I've always been fascinating ha, fascinated by the fact that when when you know people coming from multi-ethnic regions in Europe um, at the end of the um, 19th century and you see it in, in, in Latin America they start to settle there's a moment which in my book I trace to the 1860s where there's this ethnic identity. Uh, so Jews start to migrate using um, Jewish networks and, and well they're settled more in in, in in the cities. But but you see you see it clearly in 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 the Polish case how they start to separate themselves from from Germans and, but there um, they're also mixed colonies. But going back to the to the um, to the Catholic uh, Church and the eugenic movement, um, so you, in in the early um, 20th century, you start seeing all this discourse uh, and and cultural and racial anxieties that are show. On, on the side of German nationalists, but also Polish nationalists, so that they, there's the, you, you start seeing the institutionalization of um, eugenic ideas, which Polish physicians in the Prussian Polish provinces start to um, um, join and also adapt and establish chapters, and they establish the first. Um, I think the first Polish organizations of Partition Poland, so that and it and it's it's in response to this also eugenic ideas and anti-Polish measures um, and and discourses that are in you know in advanced by German nationalists in the eastern borderlands, and so I also s- saw um Polish physicians working with the Catholic Church to bring this modernizing press uh, and racialized discourses to, to the population. So train so uh, physicians training priests in order to offer better counsel and 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 also um getting the, the knowledge to uplift The population, especially in rural areas where sometimes um, a physician wasn't readily available. So, you know, you have the the priest trying taking upon himself this civilizing mission of uplifting the the population.
1: And and I wanted to ask you sort of a final question, if we can lead into the literature on, on medicine and expansion or Eurocentric or European expansion. There's so much interesting work, um, that you have in your, in your wonderful bibliography and and footnotes, I'd say, um, dealing with Brazilian medicine or Indian medicine. And, and I think connecting a lot of that work on medicine and disease and biopolitics to the, the earlier, um, Stuff on colonial fantasies. I'm thinking of Suzanne Zanthrop's work, for instance. I, I wonder if you could talk about your your sort of vision for historiography um, and and for this kind of um, research on medicine and empire, um, particularly for the Polish case, because one can ask questions about colonialism, but there, some have also argued that you know parties like um, peace in Poland are colonizing themselves. Uh, this is a, a self-colonization of Poland. Um, so I, I guess my question is really about um, your work on medicine and empire and what sort of things you would like to see um, for future research.
0: Well, I think there's still so much to be researched regarding the post-colonial framework that I use in the book. Um, For example, I was not able to study German or or Polish women's involvement in these colonial fantasies. So so my study in the end is mainly about men and their fantasies. And uh, so that's the gender aspect. It's one that would be fascinating to see because um, uh, in the literature that I encounter, Polish women are seen as, as the greatest polonizer. So studying their um, positionality in these civilizing discourses and colonial discourses will be interesting. Um, I also f- find it interesting um, the the works that other people are doing in, in, in the interwar period when, you know, the second Polish Republic established. And then, you know, these fantasies are more a reality with colonial projects that are, you know, coming from um, colonial prop- um, proponents and, and the state itself. So I think we're going to get, and we're already getting like a good exposure of, of that. And I'm happy to see how my work is also connected to that. And um, the other thing that I yeah. think... Yeah.
1: And maybe maybe you could talk about your, your work on Brazil, if you can, like, and, and if you could recommend um, others' research. I mean, especially yours on Brazil. I understand you have a new project. Yes.
0: Yes, so in in terms of um, um, the research on Brazil, it's it's fascinating what what um, Brazilian colleagues, especially from you know Paraná, Santa Catarina, Rio Grande do Sul, the places where you have this um, descendants of Poles, they're doing interesting work on the schooling system. Especially during the Estado Novo in the 1930s, where, you know, the Gertulio Vargas stopped the instruction in, in the colonist language, which many um, Poles suffer because some of them had. Not had um, exposure to Portuguese or needed to because they were in rural isolated um, colonies. So and there's um, interesting work being done about the schooling and system and how the, there's this image of an uneducated uh, pole, which um, um, it's interesting to see vis a vis my work where. Um, Poles were considered Europeans and and was part of the civilized um, brothers of nations, if you want to put it like that. Yeah. And, and the European, the, when,
1: European frater, the European white fraternity. fraternity, right? Yes. The
0: European fraternity. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So so seeing the, how Poles um, and Polish descendants struggle later on. And, and how these images shifted, um, I'm interested in, in, in looking at that as well. And when does this start um, and, and yeah. How, yeah. how it might be, how sometimes people might be going back from that experience in the 1930s and 40s portraying a negative image of Poland back in the 19th century? Those are questions that I have. And I also want to study um, those colonies in the 19th century where you have a more mixed population to see how um, what kind of interactions, um, how Polish identity plays out in, or if, if there's like... A, National indifference. So,
1: yeah, that's it's that's a really good question, and and marriages too, right? Especially between Germans and Poles, or Polish Catholics and Jews, or um, I think it's so dependent on place, right? And um, I think sometimes as a cartographer of all of the locations, small towns across the Americas, which were named after Polish towns and Polish cities, um, and Germans too, or for that matter, Italian or or anything um, in the European context. So um, we're, we're kind of running out of time, Lenny. And I, I just wanted to, to conclude um, and ask if you could uh, talk about your current projects or current research. I, I see that you have a an article that's coming out on the global and the local and Jewish experiences in the Americas. So um, could you tell our listeners what you're interested in working on now?
0: Well, actually, that's uh, an edited volume, uh, which I just finished co-editing. It, it's the title, hopefully will be published um, at the end of this year, beginning of next year. And the title is The Global and the Local in Jewish Experiences in the Americas. All new narratives across five centuries, and it's based on a conference that um, I helped organize here, the the University of Florida, on uh, um, the Jewish um, diaspora to Latin America, and 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 the the volume seeks to connect this local. Well, it moves from the local to the global, seeking to connect um, not only Jewish studies with Latin American studies, but also offering a a global history of the Americas through Jewish cases, if that makes sense. (laughs) And um, so in given the career path that that I took (laughs) and that led me to Latin American studies, so I, I, as I told you, I plan to to continue um, doing work on the Polish diaspora in Brazil, but also I'm interested in in in, in seeing in studying other parts of Latin America, be it um, Polish migration or or German migration. So I think the. The position that I have in the, in the Center for Latin American Studies, the students that I'm currently advising, and the networks that I'm creating there, um, well, it's, it's obvious for me it's easier to move towards Latin America than, um, you know, researching and going back to Poland, which I hope to go back, of course, and I will go back, but more and more um, gravitating towards Latin America.
1: Uh, So uh, I wanted to thank our guest on the podcast today for New Books Network, Lenny Ureña-Valerio, for joining us and for talking about her new book. The book is called Colonial Fantasies, Imperial Realities, Race Science and the Making of Polishness on the Fringes of the German Empire, 1840 to 1920, published by Ohio University Press in 2019. Thanks so much, Lenny, for joining us today.
0: But thank you so much, Stephen, and thank you for your questions. They were very helpful in, you know, bringing all these stories together in my mind again. And it was a very um, <laughs> fruitful exercise. Thank you.
1: Uh- and thanks uh, again to all of our listeners here on the New Books Network and our podcast channel New Books in Eastern European Studies. I'm your host Steven Siegel. Until next time.